Yo, this is Pastor Tito here. Welcome to another episode of my revolutionary podcast where I am here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. In our current series we are doing called Known, we are looking at four unique crazy, amazing aspects of the nature and character of God. Because the more we get to know him, the more we know of ourselves. But also, here's the thing, the more we will know how to follow him. So let's go ahead and let's dive into our current topic as we are looking at getting to know God better so that we can know how to follow him and find life. As we think of this idea, as we, we focus on the goodness of God, and as I gotta get myself together, there's a, a little song that I remember growing up singing, and it was, uh, God is so good. I don't remember that one. Some of y'all might, and it's okay if you know him. It goes, God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. All right, now, I, I sounded like Mr. Rogers for a second there, right? I just needed a jacket and change my shoes. But that song, that song's an oldie. That song's a good one, right? It's so simple. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me, right? And that is an amazing truth that we're going to unpack today because, see, God is so good. He's so good, man, that, again, you've seen people, right, that are just good at everything, right? You, those are the annoying people in your life, right? If you don't have somebody that annoying, that means that's you and you bother people, okay? Because you're, you're, some people are just so good that everything that they do, they don't fail, right? And so, listen, but God is on another level like that. God is so good that he can hate sin yet still love the sinners, right? Wrong. Now, that statement is half truth. God does hate sin, but he is so good that he also hates sinners. And that's the one we're going to break down today. So someone's like, whoa, hold on, man. You just took me out my vibe. Hold on. You just took me out my vibe right now with that. But that's the truth, though. That's the truth that we're going to look at. But how can God say he loves me? How can God say he loves sinners and hates sinners at the same time? That don't make sense. I get it, right? Let's just pretend. Look, I'm, I'm going to pretend with online. Normally, right, if you think about it, sometimes, you know, a preacher brings somebody up to the stage, and it's like, I'm going I'm, to I'm bother online. So am I looking at the right camera? Here we go. Let's just say I'm talking to somebody right now, and I say, brother, listen, I love you. I do. I love you. I hate your haircut. I hate your jokes, okay? I hate the way that you're raising your kids, all right. I, I hate the fact that you love hockey. All right. I, I, I hate your the way you take selfies. All right, bro. Seriously, I hate it. All right. Every there's so many things. I hate the way you treat your wife. I, I hate those things. I hate your car. But I love you, though, man. I love you. I love you. Let me ask you. If somebody talked to you like that, wouldn't you just love to hit them? Be real, right? Because that doesn't make sense. So I'm like, wait a minute. Why would you tell me you love me, but then hate all of these things that is me? Ha, that does not make sense. You're right. You and I can't do that. You and I are unable to love perfectly, right? And yes or no? Some of y'all love your kids. Some of y'all love your spouses, your friends, and everybody. You, you, you love Jesus, let's just say. But can we be real? Can anybody, can any one of you love perfectly 100% all the time no 
So in the same way, you and I can't love perfectly. Let's be real. You and I cannot hate perfectly. We play this game with, uh, we play this gap game, especially we, some of us play this gap game with God. So we say, God hates fill in the blank. And we put groups in that gap, right? God hates these kind of people. You heard people do that? You heard people do that? Have you done that? Right? God hates fill in the blank group. You know what that person never does? Puts themselves in that blank. If you think about it, God hates these people. God hates these people. And there's a truth to that. But they don't put themselves in that gap. Why? Because you and I are unable to hate perfectly and love perfectly. But let me tell you, this is good news that God is not like us. God is not like us. This is good news today that God can love perfectly, 100%, automatic, never flinches, never fails. That is God's full love. God is able to love perfectly, but here's the good news. God is also able to hate perfectly. God is so good. He can hate you and not do it wrong. Think of that. That's who he is. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the fact that God is omnibenevolent. We've been looking at different things in this series, talking about known, as we're trying to get to know God. And we've been looking at God all-knowing, God omniscient, God all-present, omnipresent. Okay, that one's an easy one. The all-powerful, omnipotent. And today we're going to talk about the best one of them all. Omnibenevolent means that God is all good. All the time. Some of y'all already can fill in the blank in your head. You're repeating that, right? Because that's, that's an old preacher one. Everybody goes, God is good. And everybody says, all the time. Everybody, and all the time, God is good, right? Right? That's it. But listen. I know. Now I'm just missing a, B, a B3 Hammond on that one, right? That's all I'm missing on that. But listen. Here's the thing with that. This, that's true. God is all good all the time. But because he is all good, he hates sinners. And that's a good thing. So I'm going to show you. Let's just stop beating around the bush. Let's go right into it. We've been looking at Psalms 139. And it's a psalm that if you haven't read it yet, I encourage you to go home and read the whole thing. Because today we are doing the final study on 139. And we're going to look at verse 4. So the whole Psalm 139 has four sections. Each one focuses on an aspect of who God is. The ones that I was just telling you about. The fourth one seems out of place, but it's not. And the fourth one is the one that talks about and focuses on the power of God's omnibenevolence. And so as we look at this, you're going to notice, and if you, you can read the rest of the chapter later on, but you're going to notice now that David's behavior has been changed by God's benevolence. So let's look at what David has to say. Ready? Here he goes. As he's just focused on God, all-knowing, God, all-present, God, all-powerful, and how he just, he's just worshiping and just encouraging, enjoying this God. Verse 19, he says, God, if only you would kill the wicked. And then he kind of has this, like, turns to the side and says, you bloodthirsty men, stay away from me. You, and then he says, who invoke you deceitfully. Now he's talking back to God. Your enemies, they swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you. I detest those who rebel against you. I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them my enemies. And then look at the flip on this one. Lord, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. If you think about that, that doesn't that section almost sound a little weird, like it doesn't fit? 
to a certain extent, right? It almost doesn't feel like it. And then he kind of switches back at the very end there. I'm like, whoa, what just happened? What just happened there? Some of y'all are like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If it's in the Bible, can I, can I be like that towards people? Because I got a list. Ooh, I got a list I've been holding back on. I didn't know. I didn't know. Can I be like David? Can I do what David did? Listen, slow down, number one. Okay, slow down. But here's the thing. We're going to look at a couple of things. Number one, this is consistent with the entire psalm. Because all Psalms 139, the focus is on God. And here, the focus is still on God. It's actually, yes, there are people who are acting as enemies toward God, but the focus, David's focus has never changed. The focus is still on God. So this portion of the psalm is consistent with everything else. This was not a mistake. Then why is it there? Why did the Holy Spirit allow and inspire this? Well, here's the thing that we're seeing is that knowing God has changed David. God in this moment, he's been helping David to get to know him, experience him. And knowing God has changed David. That's the same thing for a lot of us, right? When we get to know certain people, right? And especially when there's, I mean, it can be a positive thing or a negative thing, but there's people that you have come to know that have changed you, right? For the good or for the worse, but that happens. So in this case, knowing God has changed David. In fact, here, here's the thing about where all those emotions, where's he coming from? David's hatred towards sin and sinners is consistent with God. In fact, we even see in God's word, it says the fear of the Lord is to hate what God hates and love what God loves. To fear God and to encounter him is to become more like him, especially as Christians. We are called to be Christ-like. And the more we walk with God, the more God ought to rub off on us. And that is what's happening here. David is not doing wrong in his expressions. Because these people are not, these aren't just innocent bystanders that he has, you know, prejudged. Okay, by the way, you know that's prejudice, right? To be prejudiced is to be what? Is to prejudge someone with little fact or no fact, just based on whatever. To be prejudiced is to prejudge somebody unrighteously. But in this case, David is not being prejudiced towards whoever these people are. Because these people are acting, like he says, they are rebelling against you. They are, they invoke you deceitfully right? So they detest you. These people are acting in a kind of way that it's bothering David now. Maybe these people weren't bothering David before, but now they are. Why? Because it bothers God. And this is a phrase I like to say all the time. Listen, God hates sin. And now you can even put the sinner in there. Why? Because he loves people and sin hurts people. Because what sin is, is not just an oops. Sin is not just a mistake. Sin is doing everything that robs you and takes you away from God, from a holy God. And God loves you so much, he doesn't want anything to stand in between. And just in the same way, it would bother you. It would, you would hate, and hey, some of y'all, especially parents, some people know, when you have a negative influence on somebody that you, you know, there's somebody that's having a negative influence on somebody that you love right? Somebody's having a negative influence on somebody you love, that bothers you, wouldn't it? Because you're, okay, no, this is, this is someone that I love. Well, listen, God loves a person too that is influencing the, you know, and hurting, and that's what sin does. Want you. He doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want that for you, and so David is being consistent, but hold on, how though? Because again, it's, it's weird for us to process this, right? How can we? How, how can we hate in a kind of way that is not Sin, because didn't Jesus say, you've heard it said that thou shalt not kill, but if you even have hate in your heart, 
It's like murder. So how can we process all of these things? Well, first off, you got to understand even how does God, because in the same way we ought to love others the way God loves us, let's ask the question, how does God hate? How does he, listen, that opinion of him means that this is his opinion of sin, which is strong. Okay, because we've already said why. His opinion is strong, but at the same time, there's times that God and in his word, he says in Malachi, later Paul talks about this in Romans, when he says, Esau, I hated, but Jacob, I loved. These are people in the Old Testament that God has used. Other times in the, in the New, in Psalms and other places, God says, I hate not just the sin. I hate the sinner who perpetuates and commits these things because it's hurting people and robbing them of getting to know life. So how is God using this? And even Jesus one time used, listen, oh, you want to be my disciple? All right, I appreciate it. That's awesome. Great. But tell you what, your love for me should be on such a level. That those of you, you cannot say, I'm going to follow you if you don't hate your mom and your dad. It's like, oh, Pastor, bro, okay, look, I've been hanging in there right now, but now you're talking about my mama. I get it. Hold on. Slow. Listen. What does it mean God says I have to hate my parents in order to follow you? What kind of God is that? Well, in this Hebraism that he's using, it's saying, listen, God, and when it comes to the way God hates, it's also a form of, one theologian is looking, it's a form of preferences. Like, it means to love less. Because just, it just, means, just because we say the word hate doesn't mean that there's no love there, okay? doesn't mean there's no love there. When Jesus would say, you got to be able to hate your parents if, in order to love me, means, how can that be consistent with honor your father and mother? Jesus, help me out, bro. You ain't making sense. Be consistent. Well, listen, he is. It means this. It means that your love for God should be so extreme that when you compare that to the love of your family, there is no comparison. It's extreme. Doesn't mean that you got to love your parents less. No, it just means that you got to be able to love God more. That's what that means. And there's times that God uses that. When he says the word hate, it doesn't mean that there is a lack of love. It just means that there's less. There's less of it. There's preferences in this case. And so, in, so that's the one thing, guys, that and we can be consistent with. In fact, uh, some of you guys, when we were doing the Revelation series, Revelation 2.6, Jesus tells one of the churches, I love the fact that you hate the practice of the Nicolaitans. Yeah, I hate those guys too. Because of, again, what those people were doing where they were actively acting as enemies of God, hurting people that God loves. And so God loves all people, but if you're going to play that game, then you're putting yourself in that position. Okay? And so here we see this. And so the one way, how can we go about this? Well, understanding that we cannot cross that line from hating less versus having a, I'm sorry, versus loving less versus having a lack of love. That's when hate in your heart becomes murder. Because you know what you do when you hate somebody? You go too far, don't you? You go too far. When you hate somebody, you hate what they did, and you, you go too far in your act of justice, in your act of judgment. And here's the thing. God is so good. Again, you're talking about, but he's so good, man. He don't, he's so good. He's so good at this. Listen, God is so good that he can, when he punishes people, when, he, when his wrath is gone, the punishment fits the crime perfectly. Never too less, never too extreme. Think of that. He's so good that when he has to issue something out, he is a patient God, but he is so good that he never goes above. He never goes too far. He never goes too lax. Unlike you and I, we can't do that. We lose it, right? We go for it, but God never does that. And so that's the thing where, where we see this. Like this he, David ain't wrong here because he is having a correct vision and a correct opinion of what sin is and sin should bother us some of us we play these games 
And I love the way these, these preachers say one time, he says, listen, the same sin that attracts you eventually attacks you. That happens. That's true. We play games too much with these things. And so what we see with David is the same thing that you and I happen all the time. Listen, your company shapes your character. All right, the people that you're around, you know that there's studies that show this. They say, look, I guarantee there's some people that go and, and, you know, statisticians and stuff. And they'll say, look, I want to know the top five people in your life. And I guarantee that if I sum up all of their income, if I sum up the kind of money that they make and I divide it, that average is going to be very close to what you make. And there's a lot of studies that show that to be true, you know, shows that to be true. So I'm like, then I got to get new friends then, some of y'all thinking, right? I was like, no wonder. I got to get new friends. If I got to start making money, I got to start finding friends that make money. There's a truth to that, all right? But don't be ditching your four friends. Don't be, don't be like that, okay? So listen, that's, there's a truth to that, right? Your company shapes your character. And in the same way, God, David has been interacting with God in such a way, having company with God is changing his character for, for the better. For the better, because see, David does not wish ill will on people. Okay, he's not wishing ill will. See, our, if there is a kind of hate that we're supposed to have, it should not lead us, okay, to cross the line. Because if somebody says, listen, I have this opinion about this, and we'll say, okay, but you know, God says that's sin. Listen, the, the, our hatred towards that policy, principle, towards sin, should, it's okay to lead us to a disagreement. It should never lead us to disrespecting that person. Do you see the line there? Do you see where there can still be hate and love? Where I can disagree with you, but I'm not going to cross the line to disrespect you. Because there is love for you, even though I don't agree with this. And see, that's that. See, David is having this encounter here. But then notice then at the very boom, he kind of seems to slam the brakes, turn on a dime. And then he goes into that section, uh, read 23 and 24. Search me now, O God. And know my heart, test me, know my character, see if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. If those of you that were with us in the beginning of the series, David is just doubling back to the very beginning. Because at the beginning he says, God, you have searched me. Past tense, you're done. And you lead me with your hand. So why is David now saying, search me again? Do you think, well, God, I think, just in case you missed something, bro, can you kind of double back one more time? Can, can you look just in case? You know, it's not because he thinks, it's not because God, David thinks God missed something. It's because David is realizing at that moment, uh uh-oh, the same sin that bothers me and other people. Oh, that's in me too. That's the moment that he just had there. It's like, oh my gosh, these people who act in this way and do this, man, that bothers me. God, I need you to just bring bring fire down on these people real quick. And then he was like, "Uh uh-oh. That means if you did that, you're going to have to do that to me too. Because I'm, at times, I can act like an enemy of God. At times, I'm disagreeing with you. At times, I'm being that. So, God, can you search me again? Search me. Not so that David, again, this is not because God missed something. It's really David is saying, God, search me. Uh, Help me understand what I am, help me to find those things that I'm, and if I'm ever like that, and then lead me. Lead me to make better choices. Lead me to walk in the everlasting way. I don't want to walk like these people. I don't want to walk like even me. I don't want to be like that, God. I want to be more like you, and I don't want anything to rob me of my relationship with you. So God, keep searching me. Show me what I need to do, and then lead me, because I can't do this alone. 
You see that? So that's where you can kind of feel like, all right, David, I see you. No, you know, because we're so quick to point the finger at somebody else and so slow to recognize that every time we point the finger at somebody else, there's three more fingers pointing back. So somebody, <laughs> okay, nope, I'm good now, right? No, that's the thing. We're so hard on others and we're so easy on ourselves. And David is saying, God, I don't want to play that game because I don't want to be like that. I want to be like you. So, Lord, search me, lead me. What he is doing, what David is desiring is saying, God, up until this point, this is where my relationship with you is. And, God, I want this to keep going. I have way more to go. I've come a long way. You've brought me a long way. I still got a lot more to go. In this, the way David ends this psalm, he is saying, God, I want our relationship to continue. But for that to continue, I know it's on me, though. There's things that I need to do. There's things that you need to do in me. So not only has David run to God, but he wants to rerun. He wants to keep going. He wants this to keep going. He doesn't want God to stop analyzing and showing and working and drawing all these things out of him, molding and shaping him. He, does, he wants this to keep going. And that's the thing, guys. You and I need to, if you've ever run to Jesus, if you haven't, you got to run to him now. Because we all need that because we're all in that gap until we put our trust and confidence in Christ. But here's the thing. Not only do we have that, but listen, not only should we run to Jesus, but we ought to rerun. We ought to rerun. All the time. This is why you've seen married couples. What do they do after some time? They renew their vows, right? But renewing your vows if you're married shouldn't just be something that you do every 10 years or 20 years. Some of y'all got to do it every 10 minutes. Sometimes every 10 seconds because you got to remember. Oh, through, the, through the good and the bad. That's right. I said that. Okay. Okay. All right. You got to renew your vows daily. Sometimes multiple times on a day. Because then when you renew your commitment, you be, your love becomes renewed right that's what that is it's the same thing we got to keep running back to God well but I already know God right no you don't David's realizing man I still you're you're so good I can keep coming back and it's never boring you know again like those movies that we put at the very beginning today right all those Christmas movies how many of how many times have you watched these movies there are movies that have been rerun every year for decades Think about it. It's, it's funny, right? You, we will watch a movie a thousand times. We'll quote that movie line by line. And yet the same joke we know is coming. And we still laugh. Right? We know what the joke is. We know the setup and we still laugh. And, and it's still, but why do we keep rerunning and re-watching good movies? Because they're good. And they're so good that I don't, it doesn't matter how many times you watch it. It's still funny. It's still, it's a good time. Guys, if, watch, if re-watching movies like that or shows, good shows is a good time. Could you imagine re-running back to a good God over and over again? Who, who literally, the more you watch it, the more you see, the more you come back, the, the deeper and the greater that love is. We are culture that just run to Jesus once, rerun to him all the time, every single day. And being like David, renewing our commitment to this good God, and remember, we, we said a minute ago, because God is all good, he has to hate sinners. And I said that statement, and that's a good thing. You know why that's a good thing? Because if God didn't hate sinners, it wouldn't make him all good. If he didn't have that strong opinion towards not just sin, but sinners, okay, it would not make him all good. And if God is not all good, then the combination of him being all-knowing, think about this, 
If God is not all good, then the combination of him being all-knowing, all-present, and all-powerful would make him our worst nightmare. Really? He would be our worst nightmare. If God, knowing all things, can do all things and is in all places, if he was not all good, you and I would be in trouble a lot. A lot. In big trouble. God would be our worst nightmare. But because he is all good, the, the omnibenevolence of God is what ties all of this together. And because God is all good, we can have joy and peace knowing that every thought and every action of God not only is good, but it is meant for our good and his glory. That's the good news that we have, that he can be this kind of way. And all that he would do and all that he would say would still be for our good. It would still be for our good. Right? You've ever had a parent say, listen, it's for your own good. You ever had one of those? Right? You ever had one of those? Some of y'all just like, oh, yeah, I remember those. Right? I remember that statement. Right? Because sometimes parents got to bring the hammer down because, listen, it's for your good. You got to understand this. And so even that, when God would allow or even discipline us, which God says, I discipline people that I love. If I wouldn't discipline you, if I wouldn't call out any sin that still remains, if I would not correct you, I would not then love you. But because I love you, I'm going to call this out and then that one. Because I love you and I want you to encounter, I don't want any more of these roadblocks that you have allowed in between us. It is for your good that I got to call some of these bad things out. And he does it because he loves us, because he is good. And in fact, God proved that he is all good. God proved that he is all good by lovingly giving his life down for sinners that he hates. And that's, look, at, let's read a classic. Well, let's do, we're going to rerun something. Let's rerun a classic Bible verse real quick. Can we go to John 3, 16 and 17? Let's rerun a classic that some of y'all memorize and some of y'all know like the back of your hand, but it's okay. Hey, if you're going to watch Elf a thousand times, we can read John 3, 16 a thousand times, right? So here, let's go. John 3, 16. For God, what? He loved. For God loved the world. In this way, he showed that love. He gave his one and only son. So that whomever, so that everyone, and everyone is so that every sinner, so that every sinner who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Look at that one. Jesus didn't have to come down to this world to condemn us. You know why? Because we've already, we already stand condemned. He didn't have to point that out. He didn't have to condemn us because that was our condition. But instead, Jesus came down and he loved the world, the sinful world so much that he gave his life for his enemies. Paul would even say this, that God, look at, look at the love of God that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies of God, Christ died for us. Look at that. That, I mean, you and I, you know, it, it's hard to be able to lay down your life, even for somebody that you like. Ooh, let's be honest, even love. Can we be real on that one? Right? Because even now, I was like, look, you know, we, got, we use love so loosely. You know, it's like, look, I love my wife and I love cookies. That's, that's a different level. Okay? That's a different level. And so it's, it's not easy for you and I to even give our layout down our lives for even people that we love. 
Yet here is God who, who is able to lay down his life for people that he hates because he loves them more. Because his love for them is more. This opinion of, the, of us and of what we do and who we are is so strong that it led him to lay down his life. And the cross is the perfect picture of the love of God and the hatred of God. Because all of that wrath, all of that, the express, because the, the hatred of God is nothing but the wrath of God expressed. And Jesus stood in our place on that cross and received the full wrath and hatred of God against us and against our sin so that then you and I can know what it's like to experience the fullness of his love. That's what he did. He was on the cross and received the full expression of the hatred of God in his wrath so that you and I, just by believing, not even trying to behave better. I mean, look at, the, look at how low the limbo bar is on that. Now we can experience the fullness of the love of God just by believing before we can actually start behaving better. That is that overwhelming love of his. And see, God is serious about sin. And this is things that we, play, we don't play with. You know, we play these games and God doesn't. God is serious about sin, but he's serious about saving us too. And that's why, guys, we should have the same prayer that David did. Look, if you have not, if you, there is no difference. If, if, if something is, if your relationship with God is maybe like your relationship with your grandparents, Listen, in this way, God is not a God. God is not a God you just visit on the weekends. That makes sense. It's not your God now. He's just your fix to help you feel better about yourself. Okay? The same way, we, there's, people, there's people who are addicted to God in the same way they're addicted to substances. They just kind of do what they need just to kind of get what they need to get in their system. To, okay, I feel better about myself now just so I can cope. But they've never, there's been no change. No change in their life. And if there's no change in your life, then you have not received the fullness of life that's in Jesus. And so your prayer needs to be, God, save me. All right, save me and forgive me now instantly, right now. Because if we die in this condition as an enemy of God, then you, you did not and you had not received Jesus's perfect position for you. And so then you're going to get to know what it's like, what you, you you're going to get to know exactly what Jesus felt on the cross. If you die in your sins without faith in Christ, you're going to experience the same thing Christ did on the cross. But he did that so that you wouldn't have to. So that you wouldn't have to. And so our prayer should be, number one, Lord, save me. Save me and forgive me instantly. Right now, that's a prayer. And if you mean it with all your heart, that's the only one. But then what about all of us? I'm like, yeah, see, he's talking to you. He's talking to you, man. See, I, I, I've been watching you. I see your stories. Okay, I see your feet. I see if you, I ain't seen no change. Okay. You better take that, take that, uh, you know, all blessed off your, uh, off your bio because nope. Okay. Um, listen, don't, some of y'all don't be like, yeah, he, get him, get him, get him. Nah, I'll be like David. Now I'm like, oh, hold on. Because in the same way, do you know that God says, and, and Paul would later, he, he was showing Paul and Paul says, you and I as believers in Christ, sons and daughters of God. We're loved now by God. We are not considered enemies of God, so we are not objects of his hatred. We are now objects of his love. But be David's prayer. God, keep searching me and, so, and lead me in the everlasting way. 
For Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so we ought to pray, Holy Spirit, keep searching my heart so that I can walk with Christ so that I can know the truth and I can live the life that God has for me. God, search me and lead me continually. That's what we need to do. If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, your job ain't done. You're like, yeah, I, I checked Mark, said the prayer. I'm just, I got the ticket. I'm just waiting to get picked up. That's it, okay? I'm just waiting to get picked up. That's not our approach. We should be praying, Lord, search me and lead me continually. Okay, our, our relationship with God needs to be renewed. And now look, you know that your body is re- being renewed automatically, right? Your cells are being renewed every so often, every so years. There's, uh, you know, organs and things about you that are literally being renewed right now. Do you guys know that? Automatically. Your body gets renewed automatically, but listen, your spirit gets to be, is renewed voluntarily. Not automatically. The more we keep surrendering and keeping to, keeping to press in and know. And so God says, listen, Lord, can you search my heart? And, oh, wait, there's some unforgiveness there. Then, God, I need you to lead me to forgive that person. God, can you search my heart? Search my heart. Oh, there's some bitterness in there. God, can you, can you lead me to, to, to not be bitter towards this circumstance? Can you, he's, God, search my heart. Well, there's, there's, there's an anger issue there, and there, there's a wound over here. There's, okay, okay, well, like, can, can you lead me to, that's what it is. That's what, it, that's what walking with God is. And God wants all of that to happen so that you can continue to get closer and closer and be transformed and changed and filled with all of the fullness of Christ. And that is not something, guys, that you will hit on a level here on earth. It is from here till the end, from the glory that we experience from salvation to the glory that we're going to experience in glorification in heaven. That is a continual thing. A continual thing. I was like, God, help me search me. I was like, yeah, I keep on playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm listening to some stuff. I'm watching some stuff that's causing me to kind of act kind of way. God, lead me to make better decisions. Lead me to forgive. Lead me to be kind. Lead me to be gentle. Lead me to. That is our prayer. And we need to do that because you know what happens is the more that we are renewed by the goodness of God, the more we reflect the goodness of God to the world. That's it. That's it. Some of us are trying too hard to be too good, and you're frustrated with yourself. Congratulations. Okay? Congratulations. Play stupid games. You're going to win stupid prizes. That's what you're going to get. Okay? That's what you're going to get. If you're trying too hard to be too good, and you're upset, that's the result you're going to get. But instead, if we continue to surrender our lives and say, Lord, what about this? Search my heart now. Show me, and then lead me. Because I can't fix me. I can't do that. I can't do open heart surgery on myself. I need that. I need you. Lead me so that I can reflect the goodness of God. That is how we can get to a point when Jesus would say, love your enemies. It doesn't mean, hey, listen, the more you walk with God, the more your opinion towards hate, or the more your opinion towards sin is going to get stronger. That's why you need the love of God to say, I need to still love my enemies, though I do not like or borderline. I hate you, this opinion or what you do because it is hurting you and hurting people. And I love you enough. I love you too much not to, not to tell you. I know that's a hard one. I was like, oh, I hate, I hate confrontation. I know, but you know what? That person will be grateful in heaven. If you're like, yeah, I hate confrontation, but I'm pretty sure they're going to hate hell worse. All right? And so it is only by the love of God, his goodness in us, that we can do that. And it's his goodness that, guys, ties it all in together. 
because he is not a God to be afraid of. God knows the worst about you. And yet you can't find anybody that can love you more. Think of that. He knows you at your worst and yet still loves you the most. That is how good God is. That is how good he is. And that he does all things in our good for our good, even if it's for your own good, all of that. He'll do it because he wants us to encounter his goodness. And I want to I want to read a quote from Spurgeon about I'm going to add two lines to it because it kind of, you know, brings everything together about God being all good, all knowing, all present, all powerful. Check it out. God is too close to ever be too far. God is too powerful to be ineffective. God is too good to be unkind and God is too wise to ever make a mistake. And when you cannot trace his hand, you can trust his heart. Listen, those four things about God, all-knowing, all-powerful, all you can kind of figure that out. There's a lot that you still can't know and truly fathom because God is God. But we know enough to know that I can trust him, though. I can trust him. And so today, I want to encourage you as we get to this place where David was. I want you to pray that prayer. Say, Lord, search me and lead me because I am unable to lead myself. And if I am allowing others to lead me, it is the blind leading the blind. And I want to be led by you. And so now is the time. And I want to encourage some of you, whether if you are a believer or not, you, this is all applies. Don't try to be good because you can't. I'm here to tell you, you're never going to be good enough. Don't try to be good because it is not enough. If you could be good enough, then Jesus wouldn't have to do what he did. It's it. And we're like, well, well, why are you being so hard on sin, man? It's not that bad. Oh, okay. So if sin's not that bad, then why is it so hard for you to just give it up? Think of that. If sin, oh, it's not that, it's just this. It's not that bad. Oh, if it's not that bad, can you give it up? Well, no. Oh, why then? Because it's bigger than you think it is. And we can't do that. That is why we need a savior. That is why Jesus did what he did. And the good news, guys, for all of us is we do not have to try to be good. All God God asks us to do is trust in a good God. That's it. Because when you trust in a good God, it is in that alone that he then does a good work in you and through you because he is enough. That's why he's so good. You know, today was the one. Today was the one that, look, I know it was, it was probably not uh, an easy listen to, okay? You probably didn't feel good about yourself, but you know what? Spurgeon says when you start to learn to not to feel good about yourself, you're getting down to the root of the truth of who you are. And now I don't want us to get to, and I don't want you to get to this place where you're like, like Forky over, you know, at Toy Story 4 is like, I'm trash. I'm trash. Like, I don't want you to trash yourself, okay? I don't want you to feel like you are worthless, scum, pathetic. No. But I do want you to know that you are worthless without God, that you are pathetic without God. Like, there's a balance there. Like, the, the Im- you bear the image of God. You are special. 
okay? You are special because God loves you. He has placed that way. If, if you weren't that way, he would not have died on the cross for you. Understand that. Like this, we are not making light of God's love by talking about this. No, we are showing how much he loves us because you and I can't process this difficult word. We can't do this. Well, that's a good news because see, God is not like us. He can, and that's what makes him amazing. That's what makes it so remarkable, guys. And a revolutionary is one who focuses on the goodness of God, one who focuses and knows that my God is good. Because when you revolve that, your idea and your life on that God is good, God will do a good work in you and through you. So keep pressing in. You're just beginning to know God. You're just getting started. Don't stop now.